2: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonora Kravota, as we are most Fridays. Yes. Welcome to the Scott Adams Show, Leonora. And uh, well, we lost a you know the, our the world's grandmother, <laughs> the the queen of the world, really
3: world's great-grandmother great grandmother at this point,
2: great grandmother Queen
3: Elizabeth II. Yes, it's uh, you know. I mean, I,
2: I I was one of the first, by the way, yesterday, to warn everybody that this was about to happen, yeah. and I said it on my show yesterday, and uh, and it came true, uh, unfortunately, um, but she was ninety six years old.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing the life that she lived. She was born on April 21st, 1926. And as uh, many people know, she became the queen because her uncle abdicated his um, his throne because he fell in love with the American divorcee, Wallace Simpson. And then when her father died, when um, and she was already married to um, to Prince Philip at the time, she became she became the queen. So uh, it just.
2: He was a distant cousin or a second
3: no, cousin? No, no, uh, no. Philip? Oh, Philip was her third cousin. Philip third, was her yeah. third cousin. And so, you know, it's interesting. The name Elizabeth, which is a biblical name, means oath to God. And when you think about the oath that she took as the leader of the royal family at such a young age that she would serve the country, that she would devote her life to this public service she kept that up I mean for over 70 years and so the loss of the queen is a major loss although expected what what is also lost is the the, the style and the substance that she brought with her And the level of service and dedication and formality. You know, she was criticized when Princess Diana died because they felt that she didn't show enough emotion about Diana. But then she came out and made another speech and said, you know, Diana was the people's princess. And and she was very – and she said, I come to you as a grandmother, and it was really um, a, a very touching moment. And, and through all of this, she's was, had, she's had, and that was 20, uh, 25 years ago, well, she's had a tremendous amount of grace.
2: Well, she had a sister that was uh, a bit of a gallivanter. Yeah. And uh, was hanging out with rock stars and things like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, was told to, uh, was supposed to do certain things in terms of titles and awards, and she wouldn't. She wouldn't uh, follow through. She wouldn't follow through. I think Mick Jagger was one of the victims of, of that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ed McMahon probably said it best, and, and I think Elizabeth, uh, Queen Elizabeth carried it out in practice um, for so many years. We all, have, we all have the ability to put our foot in our mouth, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, or talk too much. And Epic Man said, the hardest part of my job with The Tonight Show and Johnny Carson was to knowing when not to speak. Right. That's the most important part of my job. It's easy to say things. It's it's really hard to, to keep your, to use a, a no pun intended, mum's the word. Mum's the word. <laughs> <laughs> she was known as the mum, right? Um, but to, to, to know when to speak. And I mean, she kept it by doing so, by keeping measured and by keeping uh, in touch with tradition. These are things we actually long for today. We long for tradition. Uh, And we don't need to, you know, go backwards in order to learn from our history. There's, There's a slippery slope there where you say, I want to go back to the 50s. Well, The 50s was riddled with a lot of problems of its own. You know, uh, racism probably would be one of them. Um, No, we've grown a lot and evolved a lot and we've learned a lot from our history. But what we should take with us going forward is um, that we learn from our mistakes and we try to make a better life. But we stay true to principles that work like walls, work, wheels, work, fire can work. Right. I mean. Get back to the basics of of just humanity and in human principles, laws of dynamics, physics, whatever. And as you as you go forward, um, as you go forward in life, you learn from your mistakes. And we have the ability to do that. Um, one of the things that she was able to do um, is just create create a uh, a standard and uh and stay disciplined and that's uh one of the great things that she she brought to the table for so many years you know um a lot of people politicize the monarchy they do and I think I would ask people to keep this in mind. She never asked for this job.
3: No, she didn't. It was thrust upon her when she was very young. She knew at the age of 10 that someday she would be the queen. Well,
2: her uncle uh, wanted to marry an American. Yeah. So her uncle, uh, who was in line, next in line for the throne, said, You know what? I don't want to be part of this. He pulled a Harry, right? and uh and uh, or harry harry Meghan harry,
3: Meghan... harry pulled the uncle pulled
2: yeah. The... <laughs> yeah right harry pulled the uh pulled the uncle right and um and it was a very similar thing you know the uh woman of interest back then was a a social light american um and uh in any case he seceded from that uh succession you know he he removed himself from the succession order.
3: Yeah, Edward, Edward VIII. And incidentally,
2: yeah. speaking of the succession yeah, Leah, order. Yeah,
3: I can go over that. Okay. So basically the way it would work is, okay, obviously the next in line is, is Prince Charles, who's 73, and he's going to become the king, or he has become the king because the monarchy cannot be left vacant. Now, now
2: I've, I've heard a rumor that he is going to pass that baton, or torch, or whatever you want to call it, uh, to uh, Prince William, who's next in line well
3: I mean I guess it's possible but he's gonna be publicly speaking today so who knows I mean maybe he could take it for a short and, term And
2: before you go through that list let me just make one more comment about right. Prince Charles since you mentioned him um and that is and then you can do this list because I think it's interesting yeah the, the list but you know the thing is about this uh Prince Charles he's photographed with Klaus Schwab he's made it very well known that he's a globalist and he's made his politics known he has cheated on his wife um, Diana Mm -hmm. and uh, and 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 the you know I think that Prince William has proven himself to be you know pretty much a gold standard of how the royals should behave you juxtapose that with say Prince Harry who's exactly the opposite of what what should be In terms of uh, how you behave and how you set a standard for being uh, a privileged monarchy, and like I say, I was in in my twenties. I uh, was really anti-monarchy. I was like, "Who gives them the right to, you know, have a? All they do is collect money and travel around the world." Um, But then, you know, in you know, as I evolved and learned as a person, uh, the monarchy does represent symbolic uh very much symbolism for the strength of uh the united kingdom and uh i think it, i understand at least uh where the british you know really find it comforting to have this monarchy he, and they still have you know the day-to-day politics uh the monarchy doesn't control the military or the day-to-day operations of the country yes. but um uh, the prime minister does, and uh, but you know when you look at Charles, Charles already he has no chance of filling the shoes of Queen Elizabeth II. He has no chance because of the fact that he's already ma- violated the, the principles of being a king or uh, or a queen, and that is opening your mouth and you know. Frankly, I don't even know where uh, Elizabeth stands. Queen Elizabeth stood with her politics
3: because she remained ap- apolitical, and Charles. And that's what
2: you have to be as a monarchy.
3: That's what you have to be. So let me let me just go through yeah. this uh, succession chart. So okay, so we've got Charles, who's seventy three. He's formerly the Prince of Wales. He's now become the King of England. He's going to be known as Charles the Third. His wife Camilla. is is currently the Duchess of Cornwall, is now the queen uh, consort, as Elizabeth requested at a royal jubilee in February. I'm not sure what Camilla's title is going to become, but, you know, that's still going to be announced. So next in line after King Charles III is Prince William, who is the Duke of Cambridge. And he, um, and then, um, and he's married to Kate Middleton, and they have three children now. After Prince Prince William, who's now forty years old, is who who will likely be the next king after Charles, is his oldest son, George, Prince Charles of I'm sorry, Prince George of Cambridge, who's nine years old. Okay, and then after George is uh his sister prince princess charlotte who is seven and then after charlotte is uh the next child prince Louis of cambridge who is four and then after that you would have prince harry who is currently 37 years old and married to Meghan markle and as we know they gave up their royal duties and they have two children archie and Littlebit, bit little bit named for elizabeth uh but the likelihood that that anything would get beyond uh, one of ha- one of William's children is is not that great, so I, I doubt it's going to go that far. So it will be very interesting to see what happens. And Prince Charles is expected to speak uh, sometime within the next twenty four hours, so we should you know keep that in mind.
2: Now a lot of people have made politic uh, you know politicize this, and on the right and the left. um and, and it, it's a little frustrating when I read these things. I don't know why people have to get so uh, politicized over this death. Like I say, just like if you're born a minority or if you're born in El Salvador, and that <laughs> there's a segue to that, <laughs> um, we have a guest at the bottom of the hour, um, Glenn Parada, who uh, we're going to have on that's been pre-scheduled. So it, it's probably not the greatest you know, fit for the today's show, but yet we are gonna we are going to have this interview today at eight thirty, um, and it'd be an interesting interview. Um, but in any case, but if you're you know wherever you're born or what your skin color is or or whatever it is, what your gender is, you know is beyond your control. And she was born into the monarchy, and she didn't really expect or perhaps even think in their wildest dreams that she would be queen. And then she became queen. And I think if you are to be a queen, I can't think of a better queen um, than uh, Queen Elizabeth II. I think she did a remarkable job. Um, it's a privilege, not a challenge. But there were challenges in her life. Um, but uh, this Carnegie Mellon professor in America, a, a black woman, um Probably, you know, very, very much a racist t- type of black uh, woman that uh, that basically was uh, all about racism and blackness. It says it in her Twitter profile. Why a university as prestigious as Carnegie Mellon would hire a professor like Yuju Anya is beyond me. It's beyond me. But she said one of the most remarkably... Uh, remarkable and horrible things um, that I could imagine. And she deleted her tweet, hoping that the British Queen died an excruciatingly painful death. So here's her tweet. This is Yuju Anya. I mean, how could you be such a stupid moron and still be a professor of a place like at Carnegie Mellon? I heard the chief monarch of a thriving, of of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire, is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Now, I ask you, do you, do you side with her? I mean, do you want to be on the side of that That's type of just vi- disgusting and it's vitriol?
3: So, and it's it's so vitriolically angry, and yeah. on top of that, it's just disrespectful. I mean, it's yeah. it's a terrible thing to say.
2: And here's what she says in her profile. Um, black woman, she's wearing all these colorful beads and stuff, you know. And she says, professor, field, applied linguistics, anti-race, anti-racist, race, <laughs> anti feminist. Then she's got the rainbow flags. Then she's got two women. She must be a lesbian. Um, then she's got another rainbow flag. Uh, and then research, language, learning, and teaching. Learning and teaching from her? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Blackness in multilingualism. Views are mine. She's out of Pittsburgh, PA. Carnegie Mellon. What a disgusting, disgusting human being. And you better believe that she represents very much the philosophy and thinking of the Democrats' largest fundraiser, which is Black Lives Matter. It's disgusting. And... uh We're going to go ahead and move on to the next subject, though, because uh, I have something else. Steve Bannon is in the news, and um, he got arrested yesterday. And I want to play a clip that uh, is uh, uh, from uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden uh, said this. He said, it was just a couple of months ago that Biden joked about putting Trump and other Republicans in jail. Let's listen, listen to this just a few months ago with Jimmy Kimmel. Let's take a listen. Let's see. Oh. That volume is not working. I don't know why that's not working. Okay. So we're going to try to get another clip. We're having some te- We had technical difficulties yesterday. We're having them today. Apparently, we have not gotten them all resolved, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, wow. So I don't know what's happening here, but uh, let's see. I'm going to try to fix this again. Here we go. I did fix it here. All right. My apologies. Here we go. This is Joe Biden. Let's take a listen. I want to
0: emulate Trump's abuse of the Constitution and the constitutional authority. And, and so, and I mean that sincerely because I often get asked look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm not a joke. And I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? You've got to send them to jail. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, there's that little box in there uh, directly to jail. <laughs> go directly to jail. <laughs> the president want to emulate.
2: What a buffoon! What a banana republic-style reject! Uh, think about that. The President of the United States wants to throw his political... Well, didn't Zelensky do that? And, you know, why in the world are we bastardizing and going against uh, Vladimir Putin or Kim Jong-un or President Xi of China? You know, when when we have people right here in America that are treating... J6 protesters and MAGA supporters, as if they're Uyghurs, as if they're Uyghur Muslims, Muslims and um, and repressing them, putting them in cages, locking them up. It's no different than say El Salvador, where people get locked up. It's a very corrupt government. And when we get uh, our guest on today, uh, we're going to ask we're going to ask that question, Glenn Parada. He, came, he was born in uh, El Salvador, and uh, we're going to ask that question because it's just a disgrace that we would have a leader. Well, and how did we get that leader? We got the leader the same way Venezuela gets their leaders, rigged elections, using the same machines, the same Dominion voting machines as they do in Venezuela. In fact, Venezuela was a testing ground. For how to rig elections. And they brought it to the United States. That's why Nancy Pelosi spent so much time down in South America to learn and to get trial runs and figure out how to actually beat the system without detection. So, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said, They will never, uh, well, Steve Bannon said this, they will never shut me up. They'll have to kill me first. And Marjorie Taylor Greene wrote this in response to that. In every country where freedom was ripped away from the people by tyrants, that's exactly the order it happened. First they tried to silence them, then they killed them. And here's what was said by Steve Bannon as he was perp-walked in handcuffs. Fight. Let's see here.
0: Yeah. Right conservative America, this is what happens in the last days of a dying regime. They will never shut me up. They'll have to kill me first. I have not yet begun to fight.
2: Now, apparently, uh, there was this crime uh, that, that what's being alleged is that he had. Um, million invested in uh, uh, I don't have the information right in front of me but it was uh, basically uh, they're trying to get him on a uh, a false charge. I mean if they were to go after the Podestas the same way they went after Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon literally worked with the Podestas on many deals. Or no, that was Paul Manafort. But Paul Manafort worked with the Podestas on many deals. Yet it's Paul Manafort that got arrested, not the Podestas. Podestas, they get hired. Like right now, the new climate czar is going to be John Podesta. John Podesta is in. If you look at the artwork of the Podestas, he and his brother, it's all about pedophilia. It's all about. Weird stuff. I mean, just really strange, strange things. They are strange individuals. So, we have to deal with this stuff. The Democrats, they try to say, you know, they're protectors of democracy. They're protectors of a world order. And they want to call that world order democracy. But it's not democracy. Let's take a listen This uh, regime finally admits exactly what the FBI raid on Trump was really about. Entire coup suddenly implodes. So this is an interesting clip for when President Trump was president. And uh, he he talks about declassifying everything. So how in the world can he be in violation of classifying anything? And then I have a clip from Judicial Watch, uh, Tom Fitton. In in a moment
0: and you're gonna learn a lot i hope it's gonna be nice but perhaps it won't be
3: that's <laughs> less than well, we want to be very transparent
0: so as you know i declassified everything everything they want i put it under the auspices of the attorney general he's going to be in charge of it He's a uh, great gentleman and a highly respected man. So everything that they need is declassified. And they'll be able to see how this uh, hoax, how the hoax or witch hunt started and why it started. Uh, it was a, an attempted coup or an attempted takedown of the President of the United States. It should never, ever happen to anybody else. So it's very important. Now, people have been asking me to declassify for a long period of time. I've decided to do it, and you're going to learn a lot. I hope it's going to be nice, but perhaps it won't be.
2: So, he declassified everything about the Russian hoax, and that's what he had in his possession. I'm telling you, this is about Crossfire Hurricane. I've been saying this. This is about Crossfire Hurricane. This is about Peter Strock working with the Muju with his father, Speaks fluid Arabic, lived in Saudi Arabia, lived in the Middle East, and is part of the CIA, as is probably Jeffrey Epstein, as is, I think, Facebook and Peter Zucker. I mean, a whole bunch of people. Folks, we're living in a banana republic, and the issue here is that we can't survive this way. Now... We have, we have uh, Glenn Parada on the line. And uh, Glenn, welcome to the Scott Adams Show.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. Appreciate
2: so you're, it. You're uh, very uh, much involved with Florida politics right now, but you were born in El Salvador. And right now you're working along this, the border. Where, where are you located right this moment?
1: We're currently right now um, headed towards the sheriff's office. And then they're going to direct us. We're in, we're in the border. We're going to go clean right now. What border? What uh,
2: border? At, in Florida or in Texas?
1: In Texas, in yeah. uh, Eagle Pass.
2: Yes. Okay. The,
1: at the Rio Grande.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of. Uh, you're you're um down there to help out with the problem of pollution, uh, disease. Uh, perhaps dead bodies Uh, a lot of things are happening along that southern border correct
1: absolutely As, as we drive you see people on the side when i when we came here in the in the airport there was a whole bunch of um illegals believe it or not the immigration uh they buy tickets for them and send them to america like different places so they're all in the airport getting sent out to miami dc california and as we drive down here, we see them walking around everywhere.
2: What are your thoughts about the systematic approach to this? Um, i It's always been my belief that they're doing this for political purposes. They're trying to take in these types of lawbreakers that are coming through the border illegally. Um, and uh, they they're, they're, they're looking at them as a dependent class. And then they're promising them free stuff just like they've done with other groups, whether it's LGBTQ, trans, uh, the black community. They, they try to hijack these groups, just like Lyndon B. Johnson said, um, we are going to own these, and then he used the N-word for the next 200 years because he was the one that Absolutely. signed off on civil rights. So they're trying to uh, exploit and buy dependent uh, slave labor workers, that benefit the corporations in America um, by, uh, you know, working for uh, on the cheap. And they don't realize that they're walking into a trap, a lot of these people, who are being exploited not only by coyotes, but they're also being exploited by American corporations, multinational corporations.
1: Absolutely. And then there's, there's a lot of overcrowding going on in the schools as well. I'm myself be, being born in, in El Salvador, I was born during the war, and we still my father still got a visa, came here legally. We had every reason to come here illegally, right but we came here legally and we followed the program. I grew up, I joined the military, I served I served the country, gave back so it's, we're very happy of, of all the opportunities that America has given us.
2: I looked at your profile and, and, and I saw that you were in the army working with tanks. Correct.
1: I was a tanker. Correct. Yeah.
2: So. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was uh, I was a I was a blast, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so we, we're very appreciative of, of, of everything this country's given us. And a, a lot of times when we talk to the people who come here illegally, like that's what I'm going to do with them today too. Hopefully, is there's, there's a crowd of Salvadorians or people from Nicaragua. I'm going to have that conversation with them being a Salvadorian because there's a lot of people who talk about the illegal immigration that are from either Venezuela, Cuba, Puerto Rico, but to have another perspective of another Central American there that came legally during the war, we, we share the same story. If not, you know, it was, it was more of a hardship for my family during that time because we were in a Civil War and, and, and kind of get the perspective of why they're coming and who's, who's funding it. Because it's that's a long journey. It's people coming from Peru, and that that takes a long time. That it, it it takes a lot of money. What do as you well. think? That,
2: what do you think that the uh, liberal strategy is? I say liberal because it's not just Joe Biden. Joe Biden's just a puppet being controlled by people out of the Brookings Institution and elsewhere. Um, Absolutely. And um, what do you think is the strategy about this open border policy that Mayorkas continues to lie about?
1: I think that the strategy really and is to just get them to to vote. I mean, they're they're trying to push in places like New York and California to vote, even if you're not a citizen. And right. if they keep giving and giving and giving to them, they're dependent to the government, right? And that's what and that's what we're fleeing. You know, that's one of the things that we flee. We don't want to be dependent. You know, it, immigrants in general, we're we're entrepreneurs. It's you know by our blood. We come here, we can start businesses and. So when, when you see the difference of the people who actually actually come here and take, take advantage of all, all the good opportunities this country gives us, or we're capitalists, we're conservatives, but when we don't, they don't follow the, that program, they get stuck on, the, on WIC, on EBT, on government programs. It, it, it's a big divide. Okay. So it's, we have those conversations between those different types of, of groups within our community.
2: What do you think the strategy is behind the relocation process. Are they looking at demographics and seeing where they need voters?
1: Absolutely. They they want to saturate that. that, I think St.
2: Louis, for example, is a big uh, earmark there. And and the reason why I say that is not only is St. Louis area Black Lives Matter headquarters, um, but it also uh, is a state, if you think about Missouri... Um, where Claire McCaskill actually won a statewide election not too long ago. And so it's, it's completely feasible that, that Missouri is a, a state that the Democrats can take back. And the reason why I think that St. Louis, because we don't know where these people are being distributed, but it's quite interesting that they had this thing called a COVID spike back about a year, year and a half ago. And there was this f- surging of covid in st louis and missouri and um and it just dawned on me that you know there was a lot of covid coming through the border that the open border you know these same people that want you to be in masks and lock you down and, and create social distancing and and mandate vaccines and and you know all that stuff are the same people that are saying turning a blind eye to this virus crossing the border unimpeded and uh you could almost look at the heat wave of where COVID spikes were um, and say, well, that's where they're putting these illegal migrants.
1: Yeah, there's nobody really keeping an eye or checking them, who they are, where they're coming from, mm-hmm. what their record is. They're just coming in. It's a national, secu- it's a national security threat. You know, in, in El Salvador, I created a, a one of the first largest conservative parties in El, Sa- in El Salvador. And I found out that a lot of the voting that goes on in, in Central America countries and in South America as well, they pay them per vote. And they pay them with rice and beans and, and food and stuff. So when they come here in America, if they, they don't assimilate to the American culture, then that's what the Democrats are doing. They're just maintaining them by just giving them that rice, the beans, the food, the, the programs. And then they tell them pretty much what to do. It's not just so grooming. No it's
2: just, it's sort of like ballot harvesters, harvesters when they go door to door and they try to like take an elderly person that could, you know, doesn't really know, have all their faculties, and they groom That's them right. and say we're here to help you. Right? Um, there's a lot of con artists out there that um, hijack estates and uh, all kinds of things where they act like they're your best friend, but they're really just after your money. And in this case, the Democrat Party's pulling the same stunt, but they're really just after your vote. Absolutely, and corporations yeah. love it because they get the they get the cheap dishwasher. They get the uh, uh, agricultural person that's going to uh, pull the grapes off the vine, like Nancy Pelosi's vineyard. Um, they get the meat packing people, the undesirable jobs that these people that are doing woke studies out of college would never do. Um, they're going to be driving our Ubers and Lyfts, um, and they're going to do it on the cheap. You know, let's face it. Um, Valerie Jarrett, for example, sits on the board of Lyft. You know, so these are all things that are being, you know, we think that the Uyghurs is a slave labor camp, you know, and we resort to China for slave labor for imports. But who's going to do the slave labor with the hospitality suites in our hotels and uh, who's going to be in the basement cleaning the dishes at these restaurants and so on and so forth? I mean, they, they have all of these things that corporations love, this cheap labor. And it's, there's no secret Absolutely. that we actually need workers and particularly we need workers with low, at the low skill level who are willing to work for, for next to nothing. And so we're opening the borders and allowing these people to come in, and the way it's supported by the politicians is the corporations are giving fat donations, saying thank you for the say you know the profiting that they're gaining from this.
1: Absolutely, and and another, another thing to keep in mind too is that it's not just Central Americans and South Americans, but there's also a lot of Haitians and there's people from other different. Parts of the world, people from China coming. Like the what we're doing uh, today is part of a John Roke's effort uh, to clean to clean up, right? So he's another Army veteran as well. The last time he was a big China flag of China right there on the border, they took it down. But can you believe that it's a flag? It's insane. A Chinese flag flag, on the border, big flag. Yeah, we he has a video and, and pictures of it. And they took it down, and the American flag was it was all ripped up, and it's crazy, it's how, insane.
2: Glenn, um, how can we uh, see the flag video, and where where on the internet can we go to see what you guys are doing down along the border?
1: We're gonna we're gonna post it up. Uh, I'm gonna post it up on uh, on my site as well, which is which will be glennparada.com, G L E and then and Peter A R A D A. But also on Blue Line. Uh, john roke's uh, website he will also post it up, but it's a lot of the videos also on instagram i mean we the whole purpose is to expose what's going on in the border right now, right They, they say that people aren't crossing we we're gonna record people crossing right uh, last time uh, when john roke was 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 here, he literally pulled people out of the Rio Grande. so it's it's exposing the truth when they say people are not are not crossing. there's no issue with the border Well, we're we're here. And we're recording everything. We're talking to people. We're cleaning up the mess that leave behind. And you're 100 right. There's there, there there are dead bodies there. There are a lot of trash there. There's there's drugs and, and everything. It's just it's a mess. I, I don't. Mess. If
2: we had if we had a mainstream media that was doing their job, this wouldn't be happening.
1: Absolutely, but they don't they don't. There's no coverage on this. And you would you would have to literally come here to see it yourself because the media is not exposing this at all. Wow. This is what and happens you, in a... And you would be very upset.
2: This is what happens in a banana republic, and you, of all people, being born in El Salvador, in that in, in what was probably a corrupt government when uh gave you pause and gave you reason to leave and become an American citizen, legally, um, you, of all people, know firsthand, don't you?
1: Absolutely, and, and and I understand the play. I understand the hardship, and everything. But we still went the right way. We still get back to the country. We still serve uh, in in the military. And matter of fact, we're a military family now. My my brother and all my nephews they're they're um, all Marines, right? So we're we're very grateful. But there's no excuse. In my mind. Now, There's no excuse.
2: Now, um, just before I let you go, are you going to be running for office anytime soon in Florida? Is there any plans for that?
1: Well, as, as of right now, I'm the political director for the state of Florida, for the Republican National Hispanic Assembly, and also committee man for the Palm Beach. Uh, but we're also putting a lot of effort on what we're doing in El Salvador with the conservative party. Now, El Salvador and, uh, because... has an
2: election coming up, Correct.
1: Correct. That's in 2024.
2: And uh, what do you what do you hope to have happen down in El Salvador?
1: Well, what we're trying to really do is bring the American dream and make it the Salvadorian dream. Because if we can we can have them self sustained there in El Salvador, they don't they won't have to come here illegally. Right. You know that we send Salvadorians send six billion dollars to El Salvador a year. Wow. And and if we can self, self-sustain self those people, the people in El Salvador, that $6 billion stays here in America. Great. And so the, those are the efforts that we're doing. So there's, there's going to be a lot going on. The party's called Estamos Unidos por la Patria, which means we're united for the, for the country, EUPE, which I'm the president of. But we're working here with conservatives, and we're, we're, we're pushing the conservative. Uh, platform even more in, in El Salvador, so it's it's a big undertaking, but definitely it's definitely something that's, the, the that the current that's government
2: under. in El Salvador is it liberal or conservative right now?
1: More centrist.
2: Okay. And and we would like to see El Salvador go more conservative, and that would be probably in line with learning how to fish rather than uh, be dependent on the government dull, which is the $6 billion we're talking about. We would rather give $6 billion in learning and teaching a man how to fish rather than just give them
1: the fish. Absolutely. Yeah. All and, right. that, and that's what, that's what we're going to do.
2: All right, Glenn, Glenn Parada. I'm speaking to Glenn Parada. You can go and find out more about Glenn Parada over at glennparada.com. That's Glenn with two N's. And uh, glennparada.com, check him out. Thank you, Glenn, for spending some time with the Scott Adams Show today.
1: Thank you for having me on. All, All right. God bless you. Thank Take you. care.
2: Bye-bye. All right, well, that was Glenn Parada. And, uh, yeah, um, you know uh, who turned me on to Glenn is uh, C.L. Bryant. He has a show Uh, over on red state talk radio and uh cl bryant was a he's a good friend of mine and um uh told me about the good work that they're doing well the show would be remiss if we didn't talk about this uh economic crisis that we're about to uh experience um i learned about this well this video this audio came out um just yesterday and uh You know, there is a guy named Michael Berry, and Michael Berry and also Jeremy Grantham. And both are super wizards when it comes to predicting economic collapse. And we're in the face of a super bubble. If you were to go back to the 1980s, or no, no, I think it's 90s, 1990s, and you look at Japan's super collapse— what they, what they experienced was something called a two-sector collapse where housing prices and stock market were inflated. And um, I'm here to tell you today that you need to start thinking about pulling your money out of the stock market before it's too late. And you probably want to invest in gold. And I'm not even right now, uh, although we've partnered with some gold. I don't even uh, – um, I'm not really uh, pushing gold, gold – in terms of uh, anything that we're connected with. I'm just saying in gold in general. Um, And so I definitely recommend that. Um, But we're going to listen to this uh, because I think it's extraordinarily important. I think that the housing market is, you know, there's all kinds of fluctuation in terms of ups and downs and, and tea leaves. But I think that what has happened is the stimulus spending by the Biden administration, whether it's student loan forgiveness or whether it was the Inflation Reduction Act, those billions of dollars, uh, and then also the billions of dollars that are going to Ukraine, that that also leads to inflation because it's liquidate, liquidate, liquidating cash. We're just printing up money, and it's a huge problem. And... There's going to be more and more tightening, and the tightening is going to result in a recession. Um, but the depression is not the same as recession. Recession is defined as two, GDP, uh, two quarters of GDP losses, negatives. Um, but uh, depression is where you never ever uh, you, you continuously fail to meet the upward trend. And uh, in any case, take a listen to this uh, expose that came out. I listened to it yesterday, blown, blown away by it. This is by uh, uh, Sorel Amor, someone I, I pay close attention to, and uh, she's really smart. And uh, take a listen to this.
4: Tired of bad financial news? Well, unfortunately, this could be the worst news for us all. You've heard of a financial bubble. Well, we could be in something much worse. It's called a super bubble, and it's only happened three times during the last century. First, in 1929, an event that led to the Great Depression, then the economic crash of the early 1970s, and finally, when the dot-com bubble burst in 2000. But our super bubble could be worse than any of those, which has been predicted by two of the world's foremost experts on financial collapses, with some even suggesting this could be the biggest crash in world history an event that might hit us very soon, possibly even by the end of 2022. Okay, so this all sounds really bad and it is, but also kinda no. Confused? Well, good. Let me explain. First, I'm going to start talking about the two major financial figures who believe that there is a serious financial storm on the horizon for us all. This is billionaire investor Jeremy Grantham, and he has a history of predicting some of the world's biggest financial collapses. For example, he forecasted Japan's asset bubble of 1980s and more famously was sounding the alarm of the 2008 housing crash before things went bad. Primarily, it's Grantham who is saying we're living inside a super bubble today. Only a few days ago, he suggested that we've entered the final stages of this economic event, saying when the 2022 bubble bursts, it's likely going to end up in tragedy for investors and likely the rest of the world as well. But he is not the only one making very public warnings. The other person predicting an imminent financial crash is someone we've spoken about on this channel a lot before. Michael Burry is the main focus of the 2015 Hollywood movie The Big Short. The story covers how Burry, played by Christian Bale, accurately predicts the 2008 housing collapse in the United States, a financial event that would devastate the world and bankrupt nations like Iceland and Greece. Burry has been talking about the world being on the verge of another collapse a lot lately, regularly tweeting that it will be much worse than 2008. However, many have accused him of fear-mongering or just being wrong, but it seems like Barry has just put his money where his mouth is. In a recent SEC filing, it was revealed that Barry just sold almost his entire stock portfolio, selling 98% of his holdings, reducing the value from 165 Five million down to just $3.3 million, leading many people to believe that Barry is making a very timely exit right before his predicted crash is due to start. Okay, so none of this sounds very promising. So why is it that Grantham and Barry believe that something so big is coming? Since the 2020 global health crisis, governments have printed an incredible amount of new money, all in an attempt to stimulate our economies. In 2020 and in 2021, for example, the United States has printed more than $20 trillion, which is more new currency created in just two years than in the nation's previous 244-year history. This has led to historically high levels of modern inflation both in the US and the rest of the world. With inflation comes the devaluing of our money and also the rising price of assets, one of the reasons real estate prices are at a record high globally. These scenarios have happened before, leading to other bubbles and crashes. But here's why Grantham thinks this time is much worse. Most bubbles leading to crashes are focused on one or two major asset classes. For example, in 2008, it was housing that was significantly overvalued. In 2000, it was the stock market, primarily tech stocks bubbles tend to be worse if more than one asset class is involved like in the case of japan in the 1980s both stocks and housing were severely overpriced or in the crash of the 1970s that combined a stock bubble with massive inflation so why should we be more worried than these events because according to grantham right now basically every single asset class is overpriced He says, the current super bubble features the most dangerous mix of these factors in modern times, with all three major asset classes being critically overvalued, housing, stocks and bonds. Combine that with the highest inflation in 40 years means we could be living on the verge of the biggest crash in modern history. Again, this does. Back to the story. Okay, so if Grantham and Bury are right, what would an economic collapse of this size look like? So there is no better or worse example to illustrate this than the 1929 crash that caused the Great Depression. On the 24th of October, 1929, the US stock market started to tank. Today, we remember this event by the name Black Thursday. Within five days, over 25% of the stock market's value had been lost, with millions of people losing their entire life savings in a single weekend. This kickstarted the worst economic downturn in the history of the industrialized world, the Great Depression. In much of Europe, around 20% of the population was unemployed. In the United States, it was worse, with more than a quarter unable to find work. In other words, the highest unemployment rate in American history. And as you might expect, this seriously increased levels of homelessness and poverty. By 1932, over 90% of the stock's market value had been wiped out, and global trade as a whole had dropped by 2 thirds By 1933, more than a third of all banks in the West had failed. And when banks collapsed, more than $140 billion in customers' deposits just vanished, which in today's money would be closer to $3.2 trillion. All in all, the Great Depression would last 10 years in total, but would take a total of 25 years for markets to truly recover to what they were before. Long story short, the Great Depression destroyed the US and the world's markets for a very long time. And so this is the closest example of of what our world could look like if our super bubble burst, if people like Grantham and Barry are to be believed. When hearing this, this is where most people become totally hopeless about what they think is coming for us. In dozens of news articles, Grantham is quoted as saying we're in for an epic finale that will likely end in tragedy. Media articles have been flooding the financial news cycle, warning of severe economic slowdown, and how companies are already laying off thousands of workers to prepare. And of course, shocking wording surrounds Michael Burry's decision to sell his stocks, further adding to the narrative of doom, that we're all on a burning ship that's just about to sink. But here is the thing. In situations like this, we do have to remember that doom and gloom is the number one priority for the media. So of course they're going to try to make you feel helpless in situations like this. But in reality, this is just simply not the case. And yes, whilst there's not much we might be able to do in order to stop this super bubble from bursting, if that is the case, we can minimize the impact we have on ourselves as individuals. Individuals, and the key word here is preparation. Personally, I'm doing all I can right now to diversify my assets across as many asset classes as possible. I'm prioritizing holding multiple currencies across different bank accounts, ideally in different parts of the world. And I've just put in my biggest order of gold and silver for 2022 so far, in the event that cash becomes seriously devalued or even possibly worthless. If you have a lot of variable interest debt, it could be time to consider paying a good chunk off that. You might even go as far as to make sure you have a second residency or citizenship in another nation to have a backup plan and somewhere else to go. Because like all financial crashes, not everywhere on earth will be hit equally. If the economy slows and people start getting laid off, remember that it will be lowest skilled workers who will be laid off first. So if you can improve your professional skills to become more valuable to an employer, now might be the time. Or even better, focus those skills on creating a business of your own, one that'll make you irreplaceable and give you better control of your own financial destiny. Long story short, there might not be anything we can do to stop a crash of a lifetime from actually happening But that doesn't mean that there aren't things we can do on an individual level to minimize the risk And yes, Grantham and Barry could be wrong, but in the case they're not, I am taking actions right now The biggest risk to you and I is sitting back and doing absolutely nothing at all The sooner you take action, the better you will be prepared for any financial eventuality Now, if you like this video
2: So there it is, and uh I also looked at uh several other reports that were longer and less in, less entertaining really but uh um that was a very good short presentation um from what I've read but uh Jeremy Grantham is written over at uh Yahoo Finance uh he has an article entitled uh Super Bubble is yet to burst Jeremy Grantham's warning and his ten favorite stocks, um, so you may want to check this out. You know, um, I've been seeing this in slow motion for a long time, and I don't really know why. I mean, I'm not a finance economist expert, but for some reason, I I feel like I have a good grasp on this, and um, you know, it's quite interesting. Meanwhile, I mean, we have a treasury. Uh, We have uh, Janet Yellen talking about the energy. Listen, listen.
3: Our plan, powered by the Inflation Reduction Act, represents the largest investment in fighting climate change in our country's history. And it will put us well on our way toward a future where we depend on the wind, the sun, and other clean sources of energy. We will rid ourselves from our current dependence on fossil fuels our plan parad-
2: now ask yourself why in the world would Janet Yellen Janet Yellen Treasury Secretary be talking about this like that it just doesn't make any sense they're not serious people and she's wrong all of the time so it it pays to be right uh, by doing your own research well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, Leonora actually had to cut out, uh, and that was part of the distraction that was going on a little bit earlier um, because we had uh, something come up during the show. Um, but uh, <laughs> So she's not going to be able to say goodbye to you today. Um, but uh, in any case, th- this is the Scott Adams Show. My name is Scott Adams. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out TacticalCivics.com. They are our sponsor, Tactical Civics. And check out Magapac.org and use Red State over at MyPillow. And we'll see you next time on the radio. bye